The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up, everyone? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Glad to come to you here on this Monday. Happy Thanksgiving week. Apologies for getting this podcast out about 18 hours later than I wanted to. Uh, busy weekend, to say the least, um, especially for the Clippers, taking two wins on Friday and on Sunday. Wanted to recap the game last night, but just couldn't get to you late last night. But I come to you early this morning. We'll see when we're actually able to post this one. But at 9.30 in the morning right now on Monday, Thanksgiving week, the Clippers, a successful homestand to say the least. It was Atlanta, obviously, that was going to be a win. But then you had Oklahoma City, Boston, Houston, and the Pelicans of New Orleans, a 5-0 homestand. The Clippers move to 12-5 overall, second in the Pacific Division behind the Los Angeles Lakers. A very incredible record if you look at all the other factors of Kawhi missing games with injury Paul George missing games with injury Beverly sitting out games Shamit being hurt a lot of injuries to the Clippers and they continue to take care of business at home which is really good to see before we get into the actual games themselves today is Monday which means that the bruise letter is out if you have not signed up for the Bruise Letter, make sure you do that so you can catch the next edition next week. Our founder, the great Aaron Bruski, is writing an email newsletter for the entire season. Exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website, not in any podcast, not on social media. It's only in the email newsletter straight to your inbox. It is free. Just go to hoop-ball.com newsletter and sign up in 10 seconds. It is super easy. Again, the site is hoop-ball.com newsletter. You get Aaron Bruski talking about every single team. He gives us three Kings things because his team obviously is the Sacramento Kings. So he talks about the Kings in depth. And then he gives nuggets on every fantasy relevant player on all the teams in the NBA. He does a really nice job. Go ahead and sign up for that. Not going to spend a ton of time on yesterday's game. Uh, I just don't feel like it's necessary. Uh, facing a team in the Pelicans that are now 6-11, and 11, not a lot to take away from this game, um, apart from the fact that the Clippers have depth. And we've seen that the entire week. We've seen that the entire season. Now that everyone is healthy, apart from Shamit, you're seeing how good this team is. And, of course, Trez was just spectacular yesterday, 34 points, 12 rebounds, two block shots. I think the most encouraging thing for me was that he was 8 of 10 from the line because if he continues to bang down low and draw fouls and go to the free throw line, he's going to have to cash them in. As we've seen this week, the Clippers tend to play close games. We don't know how long that's going to last. It is going to be a theme during the postseason. You're going to play close games, and if you want to play Trez late, he's got to hit free throws if you want to go to him late. And he did just that. 8 of 10 from the free throw line, 13 of 18 from the field in just 28 minutes. He is a freak. And it's funny because everyone was worrying, even on the fantasy side, once you get PG back, once you get Kawhi back, does that mean does that mean Trez is useless? Does that mean that Lou Williams is useless? Well, all Williams did yesterday was go 19 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, hit 2 threes. Uncharacteristic 5 of 7 from the free throw line. Normally he's better than that, but 6 of 11 from the field. He's still contributing. And he was great all week. Now, 
what's also interesting from yesterday's game is that Paul George didn't shoot very well. Six of 20. And he didn't make a two-pointer. Six of 20 from the field. Six of 16 from three. He only had 18 points. But it shows you that when one of your stars has an off night, it's nice to have another guy like Kawhi, who didn't shoot all that well either. Seven of 19 from the field. He did have 26 points thanks to 12 trips to the free throw line, making 10 of those. But when you have Kawhi that's not shooting well, Paul George is not shooting well, you still have Lou and Trez. And when you still have those two guys, along with Beverly, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, your team is going to be just fine. And to win by 25 against the Pelicans when your two best players combine to go 13 of 39 from the field, yeah, that, that's going to work. That, that's absolutely going to work. That's 33%. For those of you that can't do that quick math, 13 of 39 from the field, 33%. That's not good. But they still got the victory. A, a very impressive feat. And the Clippers just continue to roll through their opponents when Kawhi and PG are in the lineup, which is fantastic to see. Now, I want to talk about the game on Friday. Because we knew that the Houston game was going to be one that would be interesting. The Clippers did not look good at Houston. Harden was getting whatever he wanted. And he could do whatever he wanted. And the Clippers were not defending him well at all. He was bringing the ball up, and there were times when the Clippers would give him four or five feet of space, and a defender would back off to go grab someone down low instead of actually picking up their man in Harden when he crossed half court, which you need to do because he can shoot from basically anywhere. And the Clippers did something different against Harden this time around. And, of course, the story is going to be Kawhi Leonard hitting the game winner. Incredible shot. The Clippers were getting the shots that they needed late. A couple of big threes. They battled back from being behind with just a couple of minutes left, which was good to see. This team continues to show that it's not going to give up, which is important because we've seen it the last couple of years now under Doc Rivers and this crew that they just don't give up. It's a fantastic thing to have when you know that you're not out of a game at any point. Now, so speaking of Harden, they did something different, and what they did was the Clippers were sending a double team at him every single time. Now, part of me was concerned because that means that you immediately are playing basically four-on-three basketball because you're sending two defenders to Harden, which leaves three defenders left, and there's four guys on Houston. And that resulted in a lot of other looks for Houston Rockets. Even a guy like Ben McLemore, who got the start instead of Daniel House, who was hurt. I think House would have been Nice to have for the Houston Rockets because McLemore could have come off the bench, give them a little more firepower considering Houston's not very deep. The only player that played more than 11 minutes off the bench was Austin Rivers. But when you're able to get open shots for other players, that usually helps. Now, James Harden, 37 points, 9 of 16 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3, 14 of 18 from the line. That's not bad. It's really good. But then you look and you see that he only took 16 shots. And I believe he only had a handful of shots in that first half. And if you're able to limit him, limit him to six or seven shots and a half, that, that's incredible. It really is incredible with the usage that he has and the number of minutes that he played. He played 42 minutes in that game. It seems to me, and I was talking earlier in the week when we had Andrew Greif on, uh, I just wonder how you face a team like Houston and get the victory without showing everything 
that you want to show because you could face them in the postseason. And in this instance, the Clippers didn't show everything, I don't think. They showed a double team and their willingness to let somebody else besides for Harden shoot. And Tucker was 3 of 7. Capella was 7 of 12. Westbrook was 9 for 22. McLemore, 4 for 9. So they shot well, 46% overall, which isn't bad at all. But what you do is you do a couple of things. When you get the ball out of James Harden's hands, you prevent your guys from picking up fouls when he drives because we saw that he can grab you, and that would mean that normally it'd be a foul on him. But somehow, some way, he makes it so that it's a foul on you. As he's driving, he hooks his arm, and there you go, foul. So it prevents him from going to the free throw line, which is important because he's a very good free throw shooter. And by throwing two men at him right away, he can't shoot threes. And it's something he loves to do. He makes a lot of them. He's still at five against the Clippers. But it slows down their offense. And that's another thing that is very important. You want to slow down Houston's offense. And this series is important because of a couple things. This is one that we could see later on in late April and May. A very good Houston Rockets team. But what we're seeing also is that Russell Westbrook doesn't make a ton of sense with this team. And this is something that we worried about initially. Because remember when Chris Paul was there, we were all wondering, is there enough basketball for Chris Paul and for James Harden? And then we realized, you know what? Paul could be a facilitator. He's fine playing off the ball. Well, Westbrook loves to have the ball in his hand. And 22 points, 9 of 22. He turns the ball over a lot. Not very efficient. 3 of 7 from the free throw line. Westbrook just, his percentages haven't been there, especially in fantasy. I mean, this is a guy that you would think would be a great pick, but his percentages have not been good. And he fouled out. And if you remember, he had four fouls against the Clippers last time they played him in the first half. He's a guy that seems to be bothered by the Clippers. And there was all this talk about Pat Beverly and he couldn't defend. And then the numbers actually showed he was very good. Pat Beverly in this game also fouled out, only played 19 minutes. And that was a concern because you know how good he is defensively. And, of course, if you look back at the Boston game, which we'll talk about in a second, you you want Pat Beverly on the floor. But the Clippers did a really good job, and they made sure that Houston was staying within arm's length. And the Clippers had a lead early, led by eight after one. Houston came climbing back. Houston had a lead after three. But for the Clippers to put up 42 points in that fourth quarter – And to come back against Houston shows you that they have the ability to come back. And they did a really good job. Uh, Obviously, Kawhi was great. 24 points, 9 of 16 from the field. PG was 4 of 15. So another game where he did not shoot well. But the Clippers get contributions off the bench. Lou Williams had a big three in that game. And he was 9 of 16 from the field in 34 minutes. 4 of 6 from 3. Trez had 18 points and 7 rebounds. It's those four guys. They're going to continue to be the offense for the Clippers. So I really like that win against the Rockets. Before we talk about the Celtics game. Gotta tell you guys, this podcast, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus is the Twitter handle, M A R C U S. At Hoopball Clips is where you can find the podcast. Now, quickly, because this game happened a little while ago, want to touch on the Celtics game. Felt like a playoff game. It did. Going into overtime, 
really felt back and forth. Jason Tatum with an incredible crossover on PG made him look silly, but Jason Tatum's very good. And that's what we're seeing with this Boston team. No Kyrie allows Tatum to take the spotlight, and he was tremendous. I mean, he played 41 minutes in this game, had 30 points, 12 of 24 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3. The guy's incredible. Got a couple of steals, a couple of blocks. He's a very good player. Kemba did not shoot well in this game. That's the only thing that concerns me is that Kemba didn't shoot well, and you still only won by three against a Boston team that was a little handicapped without Gordon Hayward. I think it would have been important for them to have Hayward. Jalen Brown didn't shoot well either, three of 14. But in this game, what it showed you was that Lou Williams, again, was important off the bench. But forget Lou. Pat Beverly, man. He was getting open look after open look after open look after open look all season, and he was not hitting them. And then finally in this game, something clicked, and Boston was saying, you know what? We're going to guard PG. We're going to guard Kawhi. Someone else is going to have to beat us. And Beverly did. 14 points, 16 rebounds for a guard, 7 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. That is an incredible ball game. but 4 of 7 from 3. He's starting to hit his threes. He is starting to be a piece that the Clippers can rely on. And I already mentioned PG. I mentioned Kawhi. I mentioned Lou. I mentioned Trez. When you have those four guys, you need someone else to pop up game to game to game. You don't need them every game. You need someone to contribute in some way in different ball games. And in this one, Pat Beverly was left wide open. And when you have somebody wide open, you need to be able to count on them. And sometimes you could say, you know what? I'm not going to pass him. He hasn't been hitting his shots. I don't trust him. In this case, the Clippers trusted Pat Beverly. And what did he do? 5'11 from the field, 14 points, 4 of 7 from 3, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. He was all over the place. He was a pest. He played 41 minutes, stayed out of foul trouble, which was very important. This game, by the way, the Clippers did not have anybody with more than four fouls and only one player with four. And, of course, that was Pat Beverly. He's a pest defensively. He's going to pick up his fouls. But if you can get your guys to stay out of foul trouble and prevent the other team from going to the free throw line, you're going to be in good shape. And the refs pretty much swallowed their whistles in this game. Only 16 trips to the free throw line for the Clippers, 14 trips to the free throw line for Boston. This is a potential finals matchup. The Celtics are very good. For the Clippers to get this win, it showed that they can rely on somebody else besides for the big four. They played very well. They did a nice job of coming back late again, outscoring Boston in that fourth quarter by six, got big shots when they needed, and Pat Le Beverly was the guy. I mean, they left Beverly open, and he was just absolutely tremendous. And this team, you cannot say enough about them right now. They had five games at home. They took care of all five, went 5-0, and and now you got to hit the road. And when you hit the road, you got to win ball games. And the Clippers are going to go, and they're going to take on Dallas. That Doncic matchup should be fun to watch. They face Memphis on Wednesday. It's a back-to-back. -back. So we'll see if Kawhi plays. If we'll see if PG plays in both. My guess is Kawhi does not play in both. Which game will he play in? Honestly, can't tell you. Be fun to see Kawhi versus Doncic, but it wouldn't surprise me if he played in that Wednesday game against Memphis. Then you have San Antonio on Friday, Washington on Sunday. So it's a four-game week for the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll try and get you one more podcast this week. My guess is it'll be at the end of the week. It is Thanksgiving week. Have a fantastic Thanksgiving, everybody. 
I'm Brandon Marcus. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. It's the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. Follow everybody at this Twitter handle at Hoopball Clips. Fantasy also. If you got some questions, hit me up on Twitter. I'm happy to help you out. The Clippers, a 5-0 homestand. They took care of business. Have a great week. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the NFL. Enjoy your family. And we'll talk to you next time on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. This has been a Hoopball presentation.